Hello everyone and welcome to Uncork the Sun with the Vinstitute Wine School. I'm your host Mosher Kogel and I'm recording this audio from Vancouver Island where my name is considered boring and commonplace. I am actually in the middle of a move that's taking me from the Okanagan to the island uh, just outside of Victoria. As we speak, I'm actually sitting in the trunk of my car in the parking lot of a storage facility recording this intro on my laptop as I watch all of my personal possessions get loaded into a big steel canister. And you can tell that it's my stuff too, because all of my books and clothing and dishes and Dungeons and Dragons manuals, uh, everything, it's all packed inside of wine boxes. Yeah, the movers were uh, really surprised when they showed up and found 65 cases labeled Cabernet Franc waiting for them. Now, even though I'm moving, I will still be producing this podcast about the wines and the winemaking of Oliver Soyuz wine country, because honestly, what could be more truthful than appreciating the wines of the Okanagan from a distance? You know, the permanent populations of Oliver and Soyuz themselves are tiny. Most of the professionals in the wine industry came from outside of the region. Most of the vineyard labor is from out of the province, is transient and moves with the harvest schedule. And most of the fans of BC wine don't actually live in its wine regions. Now, especially given the state of the world in 2020, the ways that we've grown accustomed to doing business, and the emphasis that Oliver Asoyus wineries have placed on shipping directly to consumers, you know, more than ever, there is nothing wrong with appreciating our wine from a distance. That said, though, I like to think that people listen to this podcast to get a little bit of insight from the source. Boots in the vineyard, right? And even though we are currently being serenaded by the dulcet tones of Highway 17 from Victoria to Sydney in the background right now, I can still bring you a little bit of flavor of the Okanagan today. You see, before I left, I recorded a few interviews with winemakers around Oliver and Soyuz, and I'd like to play the first of them for you here. It gives us a little connection to the Okanagan, it casts a spotlight on a new winery in the area, and it also saves me the trouble of having to record an entire episode from the wheel well of my Nissan Rogue. So today I present to you my interview with John Pullen, the proprietor of Second Chapter Wine Company, which opened its doors last year just off of Road 7 down the driveway from Tinhorn Creek Vineyards. Followers of the BC wine industry might know John as one of the original owners of Church and State Wines, along with his father Kim and their family. After the ownership of Church and State changed hands in 2018, John stepped away to found a new operation on a smaller scale. For this new operation, he retained possession of two of the Church and State vineyards, and he has started planting more vineyards to supplement them. Now, I just want to address here, it can be a hot topic when you talk about winery sales and acquisitions. A lot of people have a lot of opinions, and there's a lot of different perspectives to consider. But I think it can be agreed on that there is a place for wineries of every size and every scale within the British Columbia wine industry. And when a winery grows to a certain size, it necessitates a different form of management and oversight. With that in mind, John's going to tell you about some of the reasons why he wanted to return to a much smaller place with Second Chapter. Now before we start, one note. My chat with John took place on the patio of his Prologue Tasting Bar. The winery is currently open for tastings on Tinhorn Creek Road, and it's a beautiful site overlooking a new planting of Cabernet Franc. It was a picturesque site for an interview, but I'll warn you now that you might hear some air cannons firing out of the neighboring orchards to scare birds away from the cherries. Don't be alarmed by this. We were not recording this episode in the middle of an active war zone. 
Although, this is an audio medium, so don't let me wreck your fantasy. You can imagine whatever you want if you want to picture John and myself, uh, like, sailing a galleon and being bombarded by privateers while we do the interview. Without further ado, because my legs are getting severe pins and needles sitting inside the trunk of this car, I give you my interview with John Pullen. My name's John Pullen, and I—I I don't know what my position is. I don't have a title. Our, 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 our job title's a luxury. That uh, yeah, that we haven't—we haven't been afforded those yet. But no. <laughs> uh, my name's John Pullen, and I'm with Second Chapter Wine Company. With Second Chapter, there we go. That makes it sound like you're just tangentially associated with it. I'm just here. I'm just here to look good and <laughs> fill in the space. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, uh, you know, I've been. Um, I've been making the wine here since uh, we started in 18. I've been working with Pascal Medevon as a consultant, um, but managing vineyards, working in the cellar, um, you know, between Steph and I, we're getting the tasting bar going and just starting to bring in new staff now. But up to this point, it's been just basically the family, right? So mm -hmm. there's not really any hard and fast titles or anything that are going on there. But So you make it sound like primarily uh, you're on the production side of things here? I've moved, yeah, definitely I've moved in. So um, everything in the cellar, the vineyards, um, we've got a crew we work with that helps with uh, handwork in the vineyards. But uh, Steph's joined us uh starting last summer and she's taken over all the public side of things and steph is sorry just stephanie's for, my wife sorry that's okay there just for go. those who may just we, not have visited and uh, there we go that aren't intimately aware of my family <laughs> dynamics <Yeah. laughs> there's got to be a couple out there right yeah exactly mm -hmm. this particular stephanie is my wife <laughs> <laughs> so john it's got to be a, a hell of an undertaking starting a new vineyard in the South Okanagan here, so I have to ask, what was it that compelled you to start up Second Chapter? Well, you know, we had done Church and State since 2003, um, and that had grown larger and larger every year to the point where we're making over 35,000 cases. And when we had the opportunity to sell church and state and you know retain two smaller vineyards uh some wines we were working on and basically take everything that we learned at church and state but apply it to a much smaller hands-on operation where our strength comes from i think is is focusing on what we do well and doing that you know at a world-class level because you know the the farming here the the viticulture provides that ability right mm -hmm. um you know what we can grow in the south valley here is you know definitely very world class and i think our efforts are best spent focusing on a smaller production but doing it way better right so what is the production of a uh, of second chapter right now we're about 44 4600 cases mm -hmm. so not a ton uh we're farming 18 acres right now we're sitting in our new cab franc planting here which is coming into its third year on half second year on the other half and that'll put us pretty close to a pr almost an even 20 acres we might try and pick up a little bit more kind of round it out to maybe five thousand or so but 
you know, for us, the goal is to basically keep it small focus so that everything goes to a smaller amount. Right. Yeah. So in terms of your, say, 10-year plan, and I know mm-hmm. I know you've just started, so maybe that's a little overambitious for me yeah. to, uh, to talk about, but would you see yourself staying around that 5,000 case range? I, oh, definitely. I don't think yeah. I see us. We don't see ourselves going much beyond that. I mean, you know, one or two extra thousand cases, maybe. I think we will consciously avoid crossing that 10,000 case mark. In your experience working now at, at a couple wineries in the South Okanagan, is there anything about this particular area, about Oliver and De Soyuz, that uh, distinguish them? How much time you got? Man? <laughs> well, give me, I, give, me, give me the highlights. Give, uh, I give mean, me the top, top points. You know, from a, viti- like from a viticultural and winemaking standpoint, yeah. the South Valley is obviously, it's on a level of its own. Um, you know, we just have that little bit of extra heat. There's a broad diversity in the soils we're working with here. So, you know, wines that we farm on, Black Sage, are, you know, same varietal, same, farm the same way, night and day different from something we do on Golden Mile. Now, that's, um, a, now that's really interesting, if you don't mind me digging in. Mm-hmm. Why, don't you, uh, why don't you tell us uh, where the different vineyards that, that you're pulling from are specifically? So right now we're doing two on either side. Right. Yeah. We're in uh, my vineyard, my personal vineyard here, which is all Cab Franc, and this is very large stone soil like this is a boulder field there's just rocks you know size of basketballs and you know even something bigger than that in here mm-hmm. um well we're right close to the to, to the mountains right we so are we're right under of... tinhorn creek i mean mm-hmm. tinhorn the actual tinhorn creek runs right next to stones us. throw away yeah a good a good six iron <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh, but then we're farming the rattlesnake vineyard which is maybe 400 meters to the south and 100 meters above us mm. and that is pure sand and silt there's not a stone in it like you could yeah. you could export this to a beach and it would blend in <laughs> like it's there's nothing in it um and then we're farming uh the second chapter vineyard which is where we're in the process of building the new cellar and our barrel caves um and that's mid black sage area uh so just south of miller road on black sage and that's you know a finer gravel a little more alluvial and then uh we farm the gravelberg vineyard we've been farming gravel it's named gravelberg vineyard after gravelberg saskatchewan <laughs> and it's owned by this guy named joseph boot we've been farming with joseph since 2003 hmm. and that's where we do our chardonnay we do clone 76 and clone 96 there and that is just on the cusp of the infamous 300 foot deep black sage sand right you know that was black hill's big thing forever was 300 foot (laughs) sand right and it's true it's you know it's Mm -hmm. you get down there and it just becomes you know moon dust so we're kind of farming this little trapezoid of one on two on either side and they're both just a couple hundred meters north south of each other but all four are completely different soil That's fantastic. And yeah. of course, yeah, I'm sure you get completely different heat different profiles too. Absolutely. You've got western vineyards and eastern vineyards, and so you're getting morning sun, afternoon sun. Absolutely. Absolutely. And so uh, in terms of the second chapter lineup, mm-hmm. what are the wines that you want to highlight that you produce that really show off the distinctions here? The the two that really like that absolutely exemplify that is the Viognier's. We do the Rattlesnake Viognier, and we do the second chapter Vineyard Viognier. Right. So, um, you know, they're 25, 30 days difference in oak. You know, they're super close in that. I'm using pretty much the same barrels. They both go through malolactic and they're just completely different ones. Mm -hmm. Night and day different. Um, You know, the rattlesnake is 
rich and plush and you know it's got that peachy apricot you know it's a really kind of you know it's that fat body viognier mm-hmm. and then you go over to the viognier at second chapter which is over in the gravel and you know yeah it's 25 30 days lesser in oak but it's just got this vibrancy of you know tropical fruit and citrus mm-hmm. and it's bright and lifted and it's just you know and they're harvested back to back as well like the last three years they've been within a week that's like great five days of each other that's so cool yeah no it's and that's i love it like i always pour them side by side I'm yeah like, you know check this out this is the difference that you know your soil across the valley makes mm-hmm. right near everything about it right so yeah yeah fantastic so in terms of winemaking you say that you've stepped in you're making the wine here Mm -hmm. are there any processes or techniques in winemaking that you think are particularly fascinating but the public does not really know enough about that we don't sit around drinking out of barrels all day (laughs) no uh, i mean for us i think my favorite element to going from a larger production you know relatively speaking of course Mm -hmm. but a larger production down to a smaller production is the time that we can take you know it's like barbecue we can do everything low and slow nothing mm-hmm. is a rush during harvest um you know we're doing uh, you know 30 35 days on skins in our reds mm-hmm. and just doing three four pump overs every day just taking our time there's and there's nothing like it's not like anything has to get released on a certain time schedule mm-hmm. or you know if something sells out well now it doesn't really matter we just wait till the next one comes out right but you yeah. know at a larger scale you have commitments to chains and groups and so that freedom for us as a smaller producer to, you know, there are no shortcuts, there are no um, concessions made for efficiencies. I mean, there's a lot of things that we can do at a small level that don't make sense at a big production, right? Mm-hmm. Like we're on a single flat floor plane in the cellar, but we do everything by gravity and nitrogen, right? So we've, yeah. got, we've built special equipment to elevate up on top of our tanks. Mm-hmm. And if it takes me till two in the morning to do it, I don't, it doesn't matter, right? I just... You know, sleep a little bit later than yeah. I say, but it's like you know we have the time, we've got the space. There's no pressure to cut a corner or you know make a certain level of volume or anything like that. We're mm. just totally liberated from that pressure. I think I think freedom was a good word there. It sounds yeah. like that's uh, that's definitely a part of the philosophy of, uh, of the winery here starting up. Totally. So you've mentioned Viognier. Mm-hmm. Uh, are there any other grapes that you particularly enjoy working with? Like what what are some of your babies? In, we'll keep going on the whites because uh, we've been working with Roussan uh, as second chapter as an individual varietal. And like we always used to do it as a Marsan Roussan Viognier blend, which mm-hmm. is, you know, those have been picking up some recognition over a couple of years. Um, people are kind of getting more familiar with that kind of classic Rhone style blend or whatever. And um, for us, we're, we're taking out the Roussan, which I don't think a ton of people are really all that familiar with these days. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas Viognier, you know, has been growing in popularity, like, you know, 10 years ago, it was what's a Wagner, mm-hmm. and now it's Viognier, yeah. you know, people are into it. <laughs> so Roussan is one that we've really been throwing our weight behind on the white side of things. It's interesting that you mentioned that because mm-hmm. I've heard from growers that Roussan is a notoriously fussy grape to work with. Oh, totally. To- to- it's hard to farm. And it's mm-hmm. like, I mean, for something that's really tightly clustered and is also one of the lot, like it's off at the same time as our cab. Mm. Right, our cab stove, right? So you're pulling that at the end of October. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's wild for you a know, light. Yeah. And it takes some very, very careful management and some very, very care- careful and delicate sorting uh, <laughs> before it comes into the cellar. But uh, when you nail it, like the nose is incredible. Uh, mm-hmm. It's one that we've been exploring, potentially working with concrete, different ways to kind of elevate that and, you know, kind of show 
the true potential because it's such an interesting grape for us. Like, we are just I'm mm-hmm. in love with it right now. Yeah, the more the merrier. I, I, I'm yeah. thinking from the last grape growers uh, mm-hmm. report, there was only about 15 acres planted in, in BC. We only yeah. have two acres total. That's yeah. all we've got. So. Mm-hmm. Well, there you go. That's a pretty decent market share right now. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we are going to, you know, quarter the market on Roussan. <laughs> uh, then on the reds, I mean, we're we're doing, you know, the classic Bordeaux. The one we don't have in the ground right now is Petit Verdot, and I'd like to see us. Mm-hmm. Um, we're... We've got a little space left over once we're done building the new cellar and the caves. We want to plant just even a little bit of Petit Verdot because mm. it's, it's a great finishing touch for blending and there's just, it's, it's just got that nice backbone to it, yeah. right, that I love. Adds and that little extra something. Totally. Yeah. And um, so we're doing, you know, the the two cabs, Merlot and uh, Malbec is uh, one that we're really, really proud of here. Mm. Um, but then our Syrah program is um, also you know, pretty standout in my opinion. You know, I really like our Syrah. Fantastic. And um, it's interesting. So the Merlot and the Malbec are up in Rattlesnake, which tends to be a little bit hotter for us. It, you know, it leans into the sun, faces southeast on a nice slope. Uh, and then the Syrah, we're over on Black Sage, a little bit flatter, a little bit cooler temperature, but a little more sun exposure. So mm-hmm. they're, you know, they're both nice. All, both those blocks are nicely placed against each other, I think. Great. Yeah. When you're drinking wine, John, mm-hmm. do, you, do you drink wine? From time to time, I've been known to imbibe. Uh, uh, you have to check. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what uh, What do you look for if you're getting a bottle of wine? Let's let, let's say for the sake of fairness, not yeah. second chapter. I almost I, I know it sounds maybe a little cliche, but I really do try and you know support and explore as much of BC as I possibly can. Within that, I like to benchmark ourselves against other producers that I really like you know I like to see what other people are doing what are people doing well where it's something I haven't seen before from someone or um, so I do I like to explore purely on those basis but this time of year I'm looking for something bright and crisp and fresh and mm. cool it's 30 degrees out today and you know you want something bright and crisp of course that's seasonal and cycles through the whole year but of course yeah that's no, part of the fun totally are there any standouts right now in terms of uh, you know your neighbors down here Oliver so you say anything that uh, that's kind of popped for you recently you know I haven't had a chance to be out touring much the last little while but on Wednesday we went we did the Phantom Creek tour mm. and you know it has so much hype and buzz around it because it's such a spectacular building. Oh yeah, it's a monumental um, undertaking. But uh, their Viognier really did it for me. When mm-hmm. there. I really enjoyed that one. So that was my most recent. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> yeah. So no. And of course, the building's just yeah. bananas, right? It's gorgeous. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. In terms of general accessibility, you know, you've made it clear that you want to keep second chapter relatively small. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so if there is somebody who hasn't tried your wine before and they're interested in tasting it, how would they get their hands on it? We have a really limited presence in stores right now. We don't make a ton. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've been fortunate enough that a lot of people have followed us from our past that have joined on as wine mm-hmm. club members for second chapter. and. You know, they take the lion's share of it right now, but we are open right now at the, we call it the Prologue Tasting Bar. So this is our temporary home while we build the new um, cellar in the caves on Black Sage. Mm-hmm. But um, come in and do a tasting here. Uh, we also do free shipping on our website, any six bottles uh, we ship free and bring the winery to you or you can come here for a visit. Boom, just like that. Just free like that. shipping. Yeah, I think, you know, a lot of people in the area have really 
embraced the whole the change in situation with the pandemic and you know you're watching people constantly doing fundraisers doing free shipping you know doing virtual tastings and like you know people have been so Mm -hmm. supportive of you know people can't people aren't traveling you know people want to stay home and uh so let's bring it to you and share it with you that way i think that's a fantastic uh fantastic idea fantastic ambition there so yeah i think a lot of people have done really well with it Mm -hmm. so that's awesome all right. Are there uh, are there any last kind of uh, parting words? I mean, that's uh, that's that's pretty much all I wanted to chat with you about today. So, yeah, no. if there's anything that you wanted to, uh, to to tell people, anything you wanted to pitch or plug, I mean, you know, we're sitting here talking about your winery. That's probably that's probably pretty item good, number man. one. I, well, I don't mean to toot my own horn, but <laughs> no, I think that's awesome. I um, you know, good to sit down and have a chat. And, mm-hmm. You know, it's kind of nice to just shoot the breeze a bit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It beats, he beats lugging around with jerry cans, getting a diesel to your, uh, to your track. Yeah. <laughs> no, I still, I still smell the diesel. Still smell the diesel. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Well, perfect. Thanks, uh, thanks, John. No, appreciate it. Thanks we'll do a handshake, but, you know, just like COVID bump. Wave. There you go. Boom. <laughs> All right. Thanks, man. Thank you, everyone, for listening to Uncork the Sun today with me and with John. I am, for the first time, not recording this from beautiful Oliver Asoyus wine country, but if I wanted to see a familiar little bit of home, or if I wanted to learn more about Second Chapter Wine Company, or about Church and State Wines, or any of the wineries in and around Oliver and Asoyus, the place that I would go would be www.oliverasoyus.com. Despite my move, I will also be continuing to do live stream tastings twice a month on behalf of Oliver Asoyus Wine Country. And the next one you can catch on July 7th at 7pm where I'm going to be talking about the softer side of red wine through the medium of Gamay Noir specifically. Will I be streaming the video from the back of my car? Who knows? Only time will tell. But to find out, you better go to the Oliver Asoyus Wine Country Facebook page on July 7th at 7pm and see where my exploits take me. To post about this show or the live tastings, use the hashtag UncorkTheSun. This podcast is a collaboration between Oliver Asoyus Wine Country and the Institute Wine School, and it's released on Friday of every second week. If you have any questions about wine, winemaking, the podcast, or anything at all, feel free to email me at moss at vinstitute.ca. I love to hear feedback and comments, so please let me know if you're listening. And let me know what you think about the show, or what you'd like to hear in future episodes. The music for this episode was provided by my old buddy Olav. To hear more of his work, visit olav.bandcamp.com. He actually just moved to Victoria too, by coincidence. The host has been me, Moss Shirkogel, in the back of my Nissan Rogue, and I cannot even express to you how uncomfortable my legs are right now. So whether you like me, are experiencing and imagining the beauty of Oliver Asoyus wine country from the comfort of your home or from your mid-size crossover sport utility vehicle, or whether you are planning a trip there in the future. As always, we cannot wait to raise a glass with you and uncork the sun together. So... John, in terms of, uh, in terms of, um, we'll just let that motorbike go. <laughs> <laughs> Is there a well-known drag strip in front of the house? <laughs> um.